Wow, what a nice job. May the, uh, someone once told me that uh, the music kind of opens up the gates of heaven and allows the word to march right on in. These, sound, these songs are just so theologically sound. But uh, puts me in the right frame of mind. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we just uh, look to you, God. Father, we look at your, your power, your glory, all-knowing, always present, all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. Father, we just couldn't take another breath without you. We recognize that today. I thank you for grace being here to, to sing and to bring glory to you, Father. I thank you for Al. I thank you for all those that are here today. I thank you for this facility. I thank you for the opportunity to expound on your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, tonight we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 17. And if we were to put a message title on it, it would be Stay in Your Lane. I come up with that at the very last minute. It uh, talks a lot about this... Uh, these verses tonight, uh, submitting to uh, authorities over us, whether it be God to the king, uh, a child to the parent, whatever it may be, it talks about this submission that we're supposed to have. Uh, and I kind of th thought about that, and it, and it made me think about the roles, whether it be government, church, uh, parent, the roles in which we play and our responsibilities, and it uh, and what happens when we go outside of our lane. I know for much of my life that there was a saying that I kind of stepped on the toes of my fellows and they retaliated. You know, was that because of me, or did I go outside of my lane? Uh, so it's very interesting in what God tells us about this and. And hopefully this will bring more light to us by the end of this message than it will, be, will bring confusion. Now there are certain things here that uh, I find with Scripture it's uh, pretty redundant. So there's some, some, some basics here that we're going to be going over that we, we get to go over. It seems like every week that as I've been working through the book of Peter uh, with Logan that uh, it always comes up in like the first sentence or second sentence about uh, walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. Uh, let, me, let me just read the, the passages. Can we stand for the reading of God's word this evening? Uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 17. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds. As, these, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Amen. You may be seated. So, how do we handle this text? The advantage of that when we expound on the, uh, God's word, we keep working through this book. I'm not being blown about the wind on a topical message and I'm trying to catch Bible verses to uh, attach to my message. This is God speaking. As a representative of God, I must get it right. Now we run into some, we run into some issues here when we, we begin to share this, all these that we try to bring out of the scripture, out of God's word, and some challenges are there. And God is always, though God's word has always challenged me, and I believe it, 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 hopefully it's challenging you too. It even would challenge unbelievers. Uh, and, that, and that's what we hope for. That's what we pray for. So I, I run across, first off, it says, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain. So this aliens, we've been over that. But we're just uh, sojourners in this world. We're just traveling through. We're uh, we, we, have a, we have a crisis right now where aliens are coming in over our border and, and uh, we're not, people are not from here or coming in and, and are we, we, heaven's our home. So we're traveling through here and, and uh, so I put a lot of deep thought on that this week as I was looking at all my stuff and thinking, you know, if I was a sojourner or a traveler, I definitely wouldn't have all these belongings, you know. Uh, but that's just a rabbit hole I went down. It, it really doesn't have to do with here. The point being, that I just have a tent here, my home's in heaven, you know. But then we jump right into to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Let's talk about that. I seem to talk about, pretty redundant, I talk about that. You know, there, there became a point in my life when I got to a, a, a verse of scripture because God's word is, is oftentimes very condemning, very challenging. And I got to this verse one day, it said, Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who walk after Christ Jesus. And not in this, and there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but the Spirit. No condemnation. No punishment for all the crimes. Everything I've done wrong in my life that I've warred against God, there's no punishment. There's no condemnation for that. He's forgiven me, it told me. What an what a enlightening scripture. I walked out of there with a burden lifted off me, and I had no knowledge, no more knowledge coming into church that morning than I did when I left, but I had to ask myself the most important question in my life. Is this man Jesus real or is he not real? I answered to the affirmative, and with that affirmative, I was forgiven for everything I've done. I was incapable. When, it's, when we sang that song, holy, 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 we know in God's word tells us you must be holy. We open the book of Peter, it says you must be holy. And we know in the book of John, it just says you must be more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes. You must be perfect like your Father in heaven. You must be holy. How can I get to being that holy as a broken man, as a broken sinner? With all these things I've done, how can I be so holy? You can. When you read that verse, and it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not in the flesh but in the Spirit, there's your answer. It's because there is no law for love, peace, joy, all the things from the Spirit. There's no law. You're just walking in it. It's a, it's a continual motion. Uh, it's a static. It's continual. Every day of our lives, we must wake up in the morning from our time, our foot hits the ground, so we go back to bed at night. 
We must be in the spirit. When we begin to walk in the flesh, the desires of the flesh, uh, we, we war against God. Now, a saved person can do that. It starts off by saying, beloved. I say to you, beloved. This scripture verse starts off by saying, beloved. That's talking to a saved person. Every time, every message I've done, it starts off by talking to a saved people. So why is it the first thing he calls them beloved and saved states the fact that we're sojourner, aliens here, just passing through, and it tells us not to sin, to watch the lust of our flesh and our desire. Well, you know, so that tells us we can mourn the Spirit, we can grieve the Spirit as believers. Paul does a wonderful job in explaining it in Romans 7. It talks about the fact that I do, I'm doing the things I don't want to do, and I'm not able to do the things I want to do, so it's no longer me doing it. It's his flesh. It's his flesh that's at war against the spirit. We'll, we will have this until the day we die, until we get our glorified body, we'll have to deal with this. And that's maybe why it just keeps coming up in Scripture over and over and over again. And we're going to keep saying it over and over and over again. Because it's the importance of it. It's the importance of God's word for me to walk not in the flesh, but in the spirit of God. But in this context, what's it saying the, the reason for that is? What is the reason? You know, first and foremost, you know, it's, it's for me to bring honor and glory to God. Uh, for me not to grieve the spirit. And another thing, I'll tell you something about what sin does to your life. Sin eats away at your moral fabric, your integrity, your soul. It takes a bite out of you, one bite at a time. You will become so lost, so empty, so confused. Your life will have no meaning, no purpose. It, you won't feel like it has any value. And it, it happens just one sin at a time. Uh, but that's not the context why it's saying. It's telling us in this context here, for us to be good examples, to walk in the Spirit. For those who are around us, it speaks of the Gentiles. So we're talking about being a positive example to the people around us in our community, the lost people, the mission field. We are supposed to be an example and set ourselves at a higher standard. And believe you me, they got their eyes on you watching us and waiting for you to mess up and do one thing wrong, for they can use that as an excuse to throw God out the window. And I, we, we see it all the time. So I don't let them, don't let you be that excuse for them to turn away from God. Uh, that won't work when we, we, we come to God. We, we will all answer for what we've done in our lives to God. If we're not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, I don't want to be that person. But... Us, what's my job? The word challenges me. How do I walk in the Spirit? How do I do this every day of my life? Well, I have to be in the Spirit. He's given me the answer. It can't be off my fleshly desires, things that emotional things that have made me feel good throughout my life. No, it's about the, about the knowledge of this word, the truth. And then it talks about being slandered. About being slandered for the righteousness, and, and I had to think about that, and I thought, well, how does that, well, you know, some, and, it, and it kind of goes in line with the next part about submitting to the government and, and staying in the lanes, too. This, this is a combining example that I'll use. On uh, January 6th, 
we had people stepping outside the, the boundaries of, of uh, they, they got outside their lane, one would say. Uh, but see, that wasn't me. I didn't go there to rebel against my government. That, that wasn't me, but for some reason, I got categorized with these people. I got grouped into that group. Why did I get grouped into that group? One, I believe in the sanctity of life. Uh, two, I believe uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. Uh, these are my core, these are my, my beliefs that, that, that God tells me to speak the truth. I can be peace, loving, submit to my government, but I'm not going to deny the truth of God's word. Now, those who wanted to bring up evil against the government were wrong. I don't care who they are. That's wrong to do it. It tells us we must submit to our government. So there's an instance where I feel that I myself felt that I've been grouped into this group, uh, and I take issue with that. I, I take issue with that personally. And, and I see in Scripture where it, it, it shows me that by believing in God's word that we'll be persecuted for it. We're coming in a, we have an anomaly the last 300 years in this country that we've been allowed to worship in this country and we live under God's common grace where we're not suffering persecution. Things are changing. I see it over in Canada. Uh, a young man was going to school and because he didn't confirm some of the ideology there, he was being arrested while he was going back to school. You know, When is that going to take place in, in our country that uh, the government will go outside of their lane? We, we've lived under God's common grace now for this 300 years. It's been a real blessing. Uh, so... What is the design of government? When it goes, it talks about the passage, you know, I tell you, a, a wonderful, what brings me to Romans 13 when we, we're talking about, when I'm on, talking about government. It, I immediately went to Romans 13 when it told me to submit to, submit to government, because I remember I had read this all before uh, in Romans 13, and it talks for us to submit to government. And it talks about something here. It talks about the police are the our military, the police, people over us. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. Or it's an instrument of death. We have certain restraints in our society. The police, President, all the way down to the police, have been ordained by God. They've been placed there by God in authority. We should not, it tells us that we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry if we're doing right. That they're, that they're avengers for evildoers. And it talks about the submission. It talks about give Caesar his due. When they tried to trip Jesus up and they says, show me the coin. He says, well, whose face is on that coin? He says, Caesar. Well, give Caesar his. Give him his tax and give God his. So the government was designed to, first off, we have to understand, this may be, I hope you don't leave here more confused than, than when you came in. But understanding, 
that the government's role and job is designed to take out evildoers. But you say, John, what about evil governments and evil rulers? They've been placed there by God. Yes, they have. Now, I, I cannot sit here. I, here's what I can tell you. I don't understand it all. And it doesn't say that I have to understand it. I just know that the, I have a sovereign God, and no matter what, evil, even evil rulers will bring glory to God. I know in the Old Testament, oftentimes, that they brought, they, when the Jewish people walked away from the covenant and promises of God, that God had used other kings and stuff to smite them. And it was to bring glory to him. Now, that's a hard thing to understand. I don't want to be the person to say, well, I can't believe in a God like that. Well, that's for you to say that, but I'm telling you, God is sovereign, and he's in control, and if he's in control, he wills things. Now, the government's design, just the same way the father's design in a home to be the protector and provider, the woman is supposed to be the nurturing and loving one. That's the design of God. Do we always follow God's design? No, we do not. But do we have the truth of God's word? Yes, we do. What is the job of our government? The government's job is to take out evildoers. God has certain restraints on society. If God lifted all restraints on society, it, it's first it's, it's the parent in the home with the child to give them discipline. Then, then it takes a village to raise a child. We're working together. So we have the laws, the police that enforce certain laws for the good of mankind, that we can live together. It's restraints against evil. And then ultimately we have the Holy Spirit. If God, when God decides to pull back the Holy Spirit and these different mechanisms that we have in place, there's going to be complete anarchy. You see it happening now. Marriage is the oldest institution in the world, and it's been in a, in, under attack from day one. The, we, we, it's, marriage is under attack. Marriage was designed between one man and one woman to raise the family up. You can see how it's under attack. You can see the, the fatherless homes, the motherless homes, the confused homes, and the environment that the child, if the child's not brought up to respect in truth and God's word, he's surely not going to respect the police. The police's job then is to impose enforcement uh, to arrest them or bring them into, and ultimately they have a sword, an instrument of death. Okay, this is the different designs, and, and, and ultimately the Holy Spirit keeps us restrained. But today we notice something going on in our culture that we haven't noticed that everybody's getting outside of their lane. Okay, my job as a father in my home is to raise my children up. It's not to come into your home and tell Wesley how for you to raise your children. Uh, the, the church's job and responsibility as a minister, as a patcher, pastor, it's spiritual. In, the, in, that, in here, in this facility, I'm expounding on the truth of God's word. You call me up to come to your house. I'm not there to tell you how to live or how to work. I'm going to share the truth of God's word. You know, The government, federal government job is to protect us from evildoers around the world, from genocide and other horrific, horrible things that go on. God has ordained them. Right here, there's two types of people God ordains. God ordains the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ is ordained by God, not by man. I've been ordained by Jesus Christ to proclaim the truth of his word, to share his word. I've been ordained by God. Then there's another group of people who've been ordained, and that is right here. It says, for, for it is a minister of God. 
God has ordained them police, military, as ministers of God. They've been ordained to take out evildoers. That's why they carry the sword. Now that doesn't mean that they go to heaven because they've been ordained to, to, to beat down evil doing. Everybody has to come by that cross. That's the only way you can make it to heaven. And, and, and you can have preachers getting up there preaching and saying they're all this business, but if they haven't came through that cross, they don't get to heaven. But they've been ordained for a purpose. And our government, our police have been ordained to take out evildoers. So in the First Amendment, when that person to stay inside our lane here, let's just, I'm trying to stay inside my lane as a pastor, but remember this. There's nowhere that says because of my faith and my belief that I, that I could not then go to a government and run for office and do something. That's my faith. That's my belief. Uh, there's nothing stopping me from doing it. But I'm not going to sit here and run the government from this church. And surely the government is not going to run this church from where it sits. It's not going to tell us what to do on ecclesiastical matters. It's not going to tell us about the word of God. And we don't have to subject ourselves to that. We subject ourselves to our government to abide by the law. Their job is to protect us from evildoers and to protect us that we can live good and righteous lives. And I think when we're getting into this context of Scripture, that's what we're talking about. So I say to you out there, if you've sworn an oath to this country, to the Constitution, for people from here and abroad, you have been ordained by God, you have been given arrest authorities to arrest evildoers. That means if they're sitting wherever they're sitting in, pub in public, you can arrest them. You have been authorized, ordained by God, and you've been given the, the ins instrument of death. That's why you've been given. Bring them to justice. Our Constitution says, for the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Life to me. The only question we should be asking ourselves about life is when does it start? When does life start? Now, I believe it's I was knitted in my mother's womb that God made me from the point of conception. Now, maybe you believe different. I, I can't change how you believe. I can share to you and explain to you how I feel. But the only point being is once we decide that as a nation, to be protectors of life. You have a sworn obligation to be the protectors of life. That's your job as an officer of the law, as a representative for this country. And, you, you, you know, I just love when, when Jesus was, went in front of Pontius Pilate and... Uh, So he goes in front of Pontius Pilate and uh, he was turned over by the Pharisees and the scribes and Caesar saying that, you know, you're a king and he says, well, if that's what you say, that's who I am. He's being submissive. Our Lord was submissive to the authorities to the point of death. But there was a statement made there. Uh, of course, I'm looking down. I can't find it in my script. But here, here's the statement. Jesus says, if that's who you say I am, the king, but you, you've been appointed 
by God to sit where you're at as Caesar. Jesus told him in that, in that conversation that, yes, I am the, not of this world, but I am, I am the king. And my God, my father, has put you in the position that you're in. So that's, that's interesting how, to me, we, we all fall underneath the sovereignty of God. Uh, so it says then, it talks about in the scripture that it's going to silence the ignorance. For us to walk upright as, as Christians and to do what is right, it will silence the ignorance. The truth of God's word will silence the, the ignorance. Uh, do you know that because of my beliefs and my feelings that I'm not battling against persons that are outside of marriage. I'm not battling against our governments that, that uh, wage war against God. You're, you're my mission field. Uh, I, I just, very humble, I submit to the Lord. I share the truth of the word. If you're caught up in a relationship outside of marriage, uh, when we commit sins, it's, it's like if you get a thorn or it's a glass in you, it begins, begins to fester. The wound can never heal. It will continue to fester until you can pull that thorn out or that piece of glass out. It will just, it just will be terrible. The pain will, just the smallest little, will become terrible. If you're feeling this pain right now in your life, uh, that you're living outside God's law, there's a remedy for that. You're my mission field. I'm not warned against you with anger in my heart. I'm sorry if I was loud and was emotional about it. See, that was John getting in the way. John needs to remove himself from that. We need to allow God's word to simply speak into people's life. I, uh, I'll tell you this. You can walk a million miles away from God in your sin, whatever it may be. You could war against God. You can run. You can, just like uh, uh, Nineveh, the fish story. You run the other way, do whatever you want. Get as far away as you can, not face it. But it only takes one step to turn around. All you have to do is just turn to God. See that cross? He's right there. He's waiting for you the whole time. He was never lost. Okay, so when I, when I say this with emotion and John's getting in the way, I understand the pain that you're probably feeling inside, and I want to let you know there's a there's a healing for that. You can pull that you can pull that splinter out today. You can begin a healing that I never thought was possible. If you have uh, decided to uh, not carry your baby for full term and it's bothering you to this day, turn to God. Ask God. He'll forgive you. There's no, there's, they say there's one unpardonable sin. That's not it. If you're in a relationship outside of marriage, you can stop today. Just turn to God. Ask him. If you were the doctor that performed, that taken life away from a baby, you can, at this point in your life, turn to God. He'll forgive you.
If you've legislated laws against God, and it's eating at your soul, your moral fiber, your integrity, everything that you were, you can turn to God. You can get on the right team. See, we love you. True Christians, and it talks about love here, how we're supposed to love. See, I love you. Now, you may be angry with me because I said some things that offended you and uh, don't fit your narrative of your life. I understand that. But uh, I, have love, I have love in my heart for you, and I have love in my heart for sinners. It, it talks about here in these verses... It talks about loving the brothers. Now, my fellow Christians that walk in the Spirit daily, they're, they're easy to love. Uh, and it's, the most, it's so rewarding to be amongst fellow believers, to have communion with them, to work with young people, to watch them grow, watch them bring... That, that's, that's the easiest ones to love. But then it talks about submitting and loving our honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. It tells me to honor the king. I honor my king. I honor the, the, the office of the presidency. I honor that. I believe there's been an attack underneath the, the, the office itself by attacking the people there. The office is bigger than the person and what it represents. And I'm sorry that we've weakened it. We've weakened the office of a pastor. We've weakened the office of a teacher. We've weakened the office of our presidency. Uh, and that's just a, a moral uh, decline in our society. Once that goes, it's complete anarchy. Uh, but there's love that how do I love? How do I love you, the one I'm, I'm calling to repentance today? Well, I have to look to God uh, for that and for my understanding of love. I, I never knew how to love until my God loved, showed me that love and forgave me and showed me His mercy and grace. I never understood love. I didn't have the concept. Love to me was an emotional feeling of something I wanted. Today, it's the knowledge of what God has done for me. And that faith that I have, that I've been able to change my nature. I was incapable of changing my nature until I had the love of God come into my heart. And so what does that tell me? Well, how did God love me when I was warned against him? See, God gave me, uh, gives us all common grace. The question you should ask ourselves is not why God does this or why he does that or why he put that evil ruler in there. The question we should ask ourselves why does God allow me to take another breath? Because I'm guilty as a sinner. I'm, I'm a fallen creature. Why does he allow me to take another breath? God allows you to take another breath. And we call that God's common grace. He allows you to take another breath because he wants all of his to come to him. He's long-suffering. He's waiting for you to come home. That's called God's common grace. And I should extend that to you in the very same fashion. Now, that is not telling you that the sin that you're doing is okay and that God loves you just the way you are. 
That, that's not showing God's common grace because he's never done that to me. God's word always conflicted me and always stirred up in my heart. So I had to ask that biggest question of my life. But he allowed me to continue on in that. And then all I had to do was turn to him. I ran a, a million miles from God. Then I turned to God. So that teaches me how I, I must love my mission field. And we have to love our mission field. If you don't believe I'm speaking from my heart today about what I believe is sin, uh, then you, you, it's not going to reach your heart. I, uh, I prepared a lot of notes and everything here, and you notice I really didn't use any of them. <laughs> and because uh, as I, I read God's word, I internalized it. I, I doodled on my uh, uh, Pastor Cliffs this morning. I was doodling. I'm sorry, Pastor. Uh, my whole message outlined everything I talked. But th there is there is one at the end here that just it just I just want to build. I just want to read that to you. And it and it uh, and that's not the page. Uh, it's talking about the beginning of. Wisdom is fearing God. Fear God. Respecting God is the hallmark of wisdom. The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of knowledge. But the foolish despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of Jehovah is, is to hate evil, pregnancy, and the evil way. And the per perverse mouth do I hate I'm quoting all these from Psalms do I hate the fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding the fear of Jehovah prolongeth days but the years of the wicked shall be shortened the fear of Jehovah tendeth to life and he that hath it shall abide satisfied he shall not be visited with evil. Now that fear is not a, oh, I'm afraid he's going to step on me and squash me. That fear is a, is a reverence, and it's an awe for God. It's, under, it's accepting God as being sovereign, all-powerful, creator, all the attributes of God, knowing how great he is, understanding that I'm just this finite creature with eight ounces of this sponge-type matter up here, and he's this infinite God. He's an all-knowing, all-powerful God. So when I stand before him or come before his throne room of grace, I need to have a certain type of respect, a certain type of reverence. When we approach God's word, when we share God's word, when we wake up and we live, we walk in the spirit and not the flesh, we have a reverence for God, and it's the beginning of knowledge. Uh, honor the king, it says on the very last part of the scripture that I was going through this night, evening. Although the emperor may cause them to suffer, believers must respect his position. Like Christ, believers are to be respectful, even in the face of insult, hardship, for this gives them the opportunity to show the true character of Jesus. He's telling us God is telling us, look at Jesus as our example, that he was spat, spat on, he was lied against, he was crucified, an innocent man was crucified, uh, all to accomplish what God had to accomplish. And for us, 
when we're incapable, I can't change. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't change the government. And that's not my job. My, my job as being ordained to proclaim the truth of God's word, I just share the, the, the truth. If that time comes where persecution comes, I have to forgive you. I have to continue to love you. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, they're not, not, God promises me that he's going to give me the strength and he's going to give me the words when that time comes. Uh, so I'm counting on you, God. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm incapable of doing that. But as long as, as long as I'm walking on this earth, I want to share your love and your truth as it says in the word. Uh, and I, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you uh, to be able to do that, that I can be that example. If that were to happen, that I could be that example. But I can be that example in my life today. You can be that example in the lives of people in and around your community by walking in the spirit and not the flesh. We go over it time and time again. It tells us every week it's, it's, it's planted in the message because I believe God knows it's a battle that we're going to have all the days of our life. We're going to have this battle between our flesh and our spirit. So the sooner we recognize it, the sooner we allow God's word to challenge us in our behavior, the sooner we're able to give God our sins and our character defects, and we can ask him to remove that from us. And you'll watch your faith, a saving faith, be stronger than what you could ever imagine uh, will begin to work in your life. It, it will make change. I can't base my theology on my life experiences, but I can sure tell you about my faith through life experiences experiences uh, that, that it's been able to change me it's been able to change my inner character my whole being, who I am and each challenge and diversity that I go through, my faith continues to get stronger and, and I hope and I pray that for you uh, put, your, put your faith to the test have you been able to change? you said you're a Christian are you walking in the spirit? are you continue to walk in the flesh? You being a good example for those around you? Are you being a bad example? Put your faith to the test. If you have a saving faith, that blood washed you, if it's forgiven you, let it work for you. You don't have to do it. We do not fall underneath the law. We, I cannot accomplish the law. I cannot accomplish the things that the law told me to do. I can only, the only way I'm able to do that is through the blood of Christ, through the Spirit of God. That's the only way I can be perfect like he is, righteous like him, because it's not me. I'm standing on him, and he wants each and every one of us to do that and understand that. Don't pull the law back into it if you believe you've been saved. Allow the Spirit to help you. First, we have to recognize it. I, I think I've, I've gone on and on about that enough this evening. I just want to close with some prayer. Our Father and our God, I just... Uh, I thank you for the opportunity today, Father, to, sh to share the truth of your word. Father, I'm, I'm sorry I got in the way a little bit. Uh, I thank you for allowing me to continue on. I, I pray that, this, uh, that people have ears to hear and a, a heart to know and eyes to see, Father, that they can take this message and these words and that it can do something in their heart, Father. I just pray that we can, each and every one of us can be good examples for our brothers and sisters around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, everybody.